Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. It's trade season. S-Z-N. Yeah. It is. It's time for Who Says No because it's trade deadline time. It is officially you put the All-Star game in the rear view. It's tri- time for trade deadline talk. That's all we're talking about. That's all we're talking about. August so, 1st on the mind. August 1st on the mind. What is it at? Is that 4 p.m.? Again, I should look this up. I think it's uh, usually 4. Four. I feel like it's always 4. It's always 4. Uh, yes, 4 I, it, o'clock somewhere. It's, it's two and a half straight hours of Nessun. Um, which is awesome. It's I that's my jam. I love it. No commercials. Let's just like wait for the trades. Just pretend, UTC, Jim Rice. And pretend to check our phones. Like, oh, I love that is a classic. See what you Rob, checking still, of the phones. Do you still have your old um droid phone? Do you uh, have that line around somewhere? Oh, oh, oh yeah, I should could, have multiple ones. Yeah, you could be like Schefter. And you could just like you don't even have the other one on. That's, I'm gonna do and like that. you're just sitting there at the desk. Yeah, I, you gotta have like a Jeff Passon phone and a Ken Rosenthal phone, and just keep refreshing I, the feeds. I've gotta do that. Oh, that's such a good idea. I'm the minute someone bothers it. you, just be like, hold on, other lines pick. So, up. so they a couple of years ago, I know exactly what year ago it was. 2014. They had um, they had a it was they called it the phone booth right and it was a director's chair in the corner of the studio and they rotated us going there so they're like okay now rob's going over to the phone booth and you're supposed to be like that's where you're working the phone but you're literally just <laughs> like i've got nothing for it is <laughs> uh best laid people. you'll, you'll just be saying like i got kenley talking nba if you want I got, <laughs> well no that day i said i can confirm 
that JD Drew does not know that his brother has been traded. So there you go. That okay. Was, that was my contribution. Um, all right. So we got Sammy. Say hello so people know your voice. Hello, I'm Sammy, and I'm here. And your haircuts never look better. Uh Gordo. What's up, everybody? No haircut, just a hat. All right. Vibe Master Coop. Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and Pat. His traps have his traps have never looked better. What how did Pat's name come up? He wasn't there. What were we talking about? Like someone's physical conditioning. Oh, Lorenzen, right? Yeah, I was talking about how Pat should want the Red Sox to get Lorenzen because he's a fellow fitness guy. Uh, he was a unit. He's, what do you call he's huge. Uh, what do you call him? The Reds is always a unit, too. Derek Dietrich. I don't know if you guys remember Derek oh, Dietrich. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he loves unit. cutoffs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, moving on from the units. This, let's get down to brass tacks. So we're going to start with um, – we're going to start with the – some. I'll start with you, Sammy. Sammy, don't do uh, don't do your Red Sox. We'll save all the Red Sox trades for the last. So, Sammy, what do you got? First of all, credit to me for being such a great guy and wanting to help the Red Sox' biggest rival, the New York Yankees. Here's the trade. I'm sending Washington Nationals corner infielder Jamer, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Jamer Candelario to the Yankees in exchange for their sixth-ranked prospect, Drew Thorpe, and their 30th-ranked prospect, Jared Serna, which I'm also not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. This is great radio so far. So <laughs> the Yankees have a pretty obvious void at third base with, uh, I mean, DJ LeMay, he was filling in there a little bit. He also plays second base. Josh Donaldson's there. Either way, it's not going how they want it at third base. They bring over Candelario. He's got an 815 OPS. 125 OPS plus. If you're not familiar with that stat, that means he's 25% better than the average MLB hitter. He's also got 13 home runs, so he'll probably end with about 20. And he's in the 94th percentile outs above average at third base. So that guy's a great defender. He can also play first base. He's dabbled in the outfield as well, so he can move around. The caveat to this is that he's a rental. So if you're wondering why the uh, Nationals are only getting the Yankees' sixth best prospect, and they're 30th for someone of this caliber. That's why he's purely a rental. But, you know, that also gives them about two months of exclusive negotiating rights. More than two months, actually. Um, so that's a nice little bonus. And I feel like Yankees fans would relish the opportunity to get Josh Donaldson out of the everyday lineup. Uh, I don't think I don't think he's uh, making many friends in New York right now. On Washington's end, uh, Drew Thorpe. He's a solid pitching prospect. He's not going to blow you away. Nothing incredible, but he's very, very solid. I believe he's part of the 2022 draft class. Uh, the thing that makes him special, uh, aside from being six foot four and 190 pounds, he's a bit of a string bean. He's got a uh, 65 grade changeup. So that thing dances. That's a nasty changeup, pretty big weapon. Everything else is around 50 grade, uh, which is a little above average. So, you know, solid pitching prospect. He's not in the elite tier, but still someone that any team would like to have. Other than that, you have Cerna coming over. Uh, low minors infielder. This just kind of sweetens the pot so that if the Yankees are getting uh, in a bidding war, they might have a little bit of a leg up. He's a bit of a utility guy, plays all around the field, mostly infield, uh, high ceiling, low floor, kind of a dart throw, but you know, it sweetens the pot. So that's the trade. Got Jamer Candelario going to the Yankees and Drew Thorpe and Jared Cerna going to the Nationals. First of all, you are correct. His name is Jamer. And 
in my confirmation on baseball reference, I also learned that his nicknames are Candy and Babe Baby Ruth. Candyman. So, there you go. Candyman. I thought it was Candyman the whole time. That that's that would be fun, right, Yankees fans? <laughs> really sweeten that up. <laughs> another thing, another thing about Candelario is he's a switch hitter. Yankees are a little bit right-handed heavy, so that's just another little quirk that would help them out. I like that trade. I like it. Any any anybody want to weigh in on the Jamer, Candyman, Baby Ruth, Candelario? The big deal going to the Yankees, helping them win the World Series. Whoa, whoa! Hey, hold on a second. You you read the stats, Sammy. Candelario is a good player. I've seen you floating this around on Twitter, and <laughs> the replies I've seen, like Yankee fans, always have their eyes set on the bigger fish. Like they all want Soto, they all want Otani. Like those are the deals they want. And to be honest with you, if anyone's going to say no to this, it would be the Yankees just to pursue those guys. But to be honest with you, I think it's an even trade. I think it would help the Yankees. I think the Yankees window has to be now, even though they don't necessarily on paper or on the field look like they're a serious contender right now. Like this is the best chance they're going to have to win is now. And so they should be pushing in pieces to try to change the vibes and change. They've, they've already have started making moves to change the vibes with the hitting coach. Now, Sean Casey's in their ultimate vibe guy, the mayor, Sean, ultimate Casey vibe in. guy, ultimate, ultimate vibe, vibe guy. guy. I mean, so yeah, any, anything you can do to try to boost your chances and getting Josh Donaldson out of the lineup, even though he probably has the highest home run percentage of his hits ever has to be right. I think it's nine of 14. Yeah, get him out of there. Get Candelario in there. The value of a switch hitter is big. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I actually think it's a good trade, and the Nationals would be getting good value too. Good and job. As much, as much as we like to rip on the Yankees, we're all Red Sox guys here. I mean, you put that guy in the middle of the lineup. Judge comes back. Maybe Stanton stays healthy. Trevino's a good catcher. Glaber's having a good season. That's not a bad team. I know. I know they're not playing as well as they should be right now, and they're in fourth place when they're supposed to be contending for a world series but that's a low-key scary team if they can get on the field all right good pat coop any any comments no i like that trade i think that's one of those trades too that's that could like jump the market you know especially if guys like arenado moncada and like the heavier hitting third baseman come up they can jump the market get it for super cheap because worst comes to worst one of those guys does become available and there's two or three teams in candelario kind of becomes that plan B guy for a lot of teams, if they can jump the gun and get him before like the full trade season begins, I think they can get it for super cheap. And like you said, that is a super right-handed heavy lineup. Adding in a switch hitter who's an above average hitter would be huge for the Yankees right now. Did you guys see what the Mar- do you see what the Marlins GM said today about she's a, never seen a market like this? Oh God. Yeah. I mean in terms of like that and really, like I think that what's going to happen is that you're gonna you're gonna have to wait out the central teams this this weekend. Go look at the games this weekend. It's kind of crazy. You have a ton of good matchups. Like I think the the Reds are playing the Brewers. Um, that's just one. You know, so you have a bunch of teams that have to define themselves, and they may come out of this weekend defining themselves for better or for worse. So. I, I, it's just going to come down to, I think it's going to come down to the very end for a lot of this stuff. Just because other than the Nationals, you know, and, and the Nash, even the teams that are sellers like the Nationals, you know, why should they jump and jump the gun? Like they can wait because everyone else is waiting. So anyway, we're not going to wait for Gordo. What's going on, Gordo? What do you got? All right, let's go. We are dealing with the Baltimore Orioles here. 
And last time we, I was on the show and doing the who says no for the baseball isn't boring, I did a homecoming and I'm doing it again. We are sending Eduardo Rodriguez back home to Baltimore. And the Tigers are getting back. Former top 100 prospect has recently been banished from the list, but a DL Hall pitching prospect, triple digit fastball, a little bit of relief concerns there because he doesn't really locate, but the Orioles think he can start. He's an athlete. They think he can harness his command and get there. Hasn't done it yet to this point, but he's an upside play there. So the Orioles, we've seen they lack starting pitching or they lack high-end starting pitching. They've got five guys in their rotation, but really only one high-end arm in Tyler Wells. And I was watching ESPN or I was watching MLB Network the other day and John Heyman went on and he was assigning percentages for like each of the top whatever 10 players he thinks will be traded. And I was surprised that he said he thinks Eduardo Rodriguez has an 80% chance to get traded. Isn't that wild? 80%. And that's weird for a guy who's got... But three more years? He's got three more years, right? Well, he's got an opt-out after this year. And the way he's pitching, he's going to take it. But the issue is, like, the three years, it's kind of like a booby trap, if you think about it. Like, if he gets hurt... I just wanted wanted to cut you off as you were saying booby trap. Booby trap? (laughs) No, I'm just... Well, it, no, don't mind think me. About it, don't mind me. <laughs> it really is, though. If you think about it, if he gets hurt or if he has a poor second half, that's three years, $49 million that he could opt right into. And then all of a sudden, you know, if he gets Tommy John for whatever reason, any like anything that's going to keep him out next year, now you've got a bunch of money on the books that you didn't really ask for. So I don't, that's why I only have one guy going back. And it's a guy who's not necessarily trending in the best direction. Just because I think that that, could hold up his market. We saw it happen last year with Carlos Rodon. He didn't get traded from San Francisco literally because he had that. It wasn't even. It wasn't even a player option. It was like a. It was like a. It basically was a player option. It was like a twenty-something million dollar player option, and the Giants didn't get any offers they they deemed valuable enough to deal him because of that and because of his injury history. And Erod's a guy who's already gone down this year. You know he's dealt with things in the past, but let's assume he stays healthy. He slots in immediately into Baltimore's rotation as their ace or their number two guy. This is a guy with a 2.64 ERA and 12 starts, and he's averaging six innings a start. So he's having pretty much the year of his career and sending him to a team like Baltimore who could really use the pitching, and I'm sure they're going to be in on a bunch of guys. You know, if the Padres follow out, fall out of it, I could see Blake Snell being a guy they go after. But he would be he would change that team. They're already great. The one thing they don't really have is is top tier starting pitching, but he would really bring something to he's them. Exact, he's happen. exactly what they need. Uh, I like that. Uh, so I mean, I don't know if it's enough to get him, but I like him. And and by the way, the Orioles, who cares? I mean, you got a million guys that you can trade from from your for prospects. Uh, Sammy, what do you think? Um, I like it. I think it's kind of funny. I was doing some research just now. If they got Erod, the Orioles, that is. And he did opt in. the The forty nine million would come out as the sixth biggest contract in Orioles history, which would just be a little bit funny. But the trade itself, um, from the Orioles side, I love it. From Detroit, I think they might be able to do a little bit better than DL Hall, especially if there's interest in Erod. But in a vacuum, a top ish pitching prospect for a guy who's kind of, sort of, a rental, maybe not. A little bit of risk there, kind of a lot of risk actually. It's a really weird situation. Baltimore would be willing, would have to be willing to take a risk, and same with uh, Detroit, they'd be willing to have to uh, take a risk on maybe not getting all they could. So 
Oh man, that's a tough decision. I think I like it though. Uh, I, I would ask for a little more if I were Detroit. Cool, Pat. Anything? No, I think that I like. I love the fit. I think Erod is like exactly what the Orioles need. That's like their one glaring hole is the rotation. I think Erod feels it really well, especially as a lefty. But like uh, Sammy was saying, the price wise, I. I used to love D.L. Hall. I think he's really fallen off the map. A la like Jake Room for the Sox. Like had a lot of hype around him coming out and then he didn't really perform all that well. I think the other thing too is that the Orioles as like a smaller market team, if he picks up, let's say he comes in and gets hurt immediately and he picks up that option for the three for 49 or whatever it is. The, for the Orioles, that's, that's like a big, Sammy, you said it was like what, their sixth biggest contract ever? Yeah. Yeah. Where a potential team they could be bidding against in, let's say, like the Dodgers, like forty-nine million is nothing to them, and they'd be probably willing to pay a little bit more, prospect-wise, and just Detroit would have kind of have some leverage there, knowing that there is a team who forty-nine million for the next three years doesn't really mean much. So I like the fit. I think a little bit more on the return, if I was Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Deal's, uh He's two months away from turning twenty-five years old, which is worth noting. Yeah. Coop, you're a vibe guy. You know Erod, you know the Personal. Orioles. You know you know the Orioles. Uh, you you know that they're shooting the water cannons out in the bullpen. Yeah, you I'm th- glad that they're not spitting it on people anymore. That was a weird birdbath moment. That, but, that, uh, that, that was that as long game, as they're having fun. That was the original. Baltimore. That was the OG birdbath. Yeah. Um. I don't like. I feel like or like Baltimore is in this weird phase of. They don't want to overextend. I mean they. They have a bit of a history now of overpaying guys. And this, of course, wouldn't be them overpaying people. But as Pat said, like if Erod picks up that option and things don't go according to plan, they're looking at another situation at, where. Yeah, Cobb, uh, not Chris Davis, because Chris Davis is like that was the ultimate. Yeah, that was that was the ultimate shoot yourself in the foot moment. Uh, but that was also just like one of the weirdest moments in sports. But yeah, yeah I, I just don't see them. They're in second place in the AL right now. They have the wild card two spot, not firm, but they kind of have that locked up in my mind. And I would imagine that the way that they kind of went into the all-star break and the way that the Rays went into the all-star break, I'm not sure if they're willing to gamble that much with their mentality. And like Pat said as well, I think other suitors are just going to come along with a better offer, even if the Orioles do want to kind of pursue Erod. It's a, it's a good fit. I, I agree, Sam. It, it makes sense, but I just don't see the Baltimore organization working that way. It really, really is. Quick. You go, Pat. No, I was going to say, on the flip side, though, in terms of rental, but without the risk of him picking up an option, I think DL Hall for like a Lorenzen is a much more realistic like Baltimore mm-hmm. move. I think they're going to sell low on what was once a hundred top hundred prospect, and they're going to get back a reliable guy who can eat innings, which they barely have right now. And in Detroit, you're just getting what you can for a guy who's going to leave in the free in free agency that winter. Ooh, a bonus! Who says no? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, here's go ahead. Here, here's another thing to consider too. Why I think Detroit really should be looking to trade Erod. And it doesn't. It goes beyond the fact that they're not going to be good in the next three years. I I think they have what? Do they not have any top hundred prospects right now? I know they've got a couple of young guys that just came up. Who's this? I know Baltimore for Detroit. Baltimore. Oh, Detroit. Yeah, Baltimore has fifteen. Baltimore, 
Yeah, yeah Baltimore has the entire list. Detroit has one who's really good. Colt Keith, I believe, is his name. Yeah, they got Col- Colt Keith at forty and Jace Young at sixty. So forty oh, and sixty. Okay. Josh Young, probably, yeah. yeah. But another thing to consider though is if Erod continues to pitch this way and he opts out, he's already gotten the qualifying offer. So if he opts out, that's that. Like you're not getting anything for him. So they I think they would be smart to sell, you know. Three years, they're not going to be competitive. He's not going to be helping them towards anything. And if he does opt out, you're not getting anything from him. So double incentive to trade. I do agree. It's complicated. And Baltimore, you're right. Like they have spent, but it was really kind of just in one sum of like it was one extended run, run of free agents, like with Mark Trumbo and Alex Cobb and Chris Davis and all Adam that Jones. nonsense yeah. that cost them Manny Machado. But Baldo. Could you imagine that team if they had just paid Machado instead of those guys? He'd still be there. Yeah. And Chris Davis was not a wise move. All right. Now the uh, the big one. Let's go, Pat. Let's go. Right. There's a lot of we put the pressure on you for this one. All Let's right. go. I've got Seattle adding a nice little depth piece in uh Shohei Otani. <laughs> <laughs> and in return, the Angels get Bryce Miller. Number 57 prospect in baseball, number two in the organization, shortstop Cole Young. And then number 98 in baseball and number four in the system, outfielder Gabriel Gonzalez. <laughs> you could so, you could you could say Shohei's a utility guy. So yeah, you could I, say he's just I, like I, a, he's just right. Brock Holt. <laughs> so uh, the thought process here is the Angels need a bat pretty badly. They've had a lot of like Julio Rodriguez isn't having a great year, especially considering what he did last year. Teo Scott Hernandez isn't having a great year considering what they gave up. And well, they gave up Eric Swanson, but what they thought they were going to get in Teo Scott from uh, Toronto. And then Colton Long for Jordy, um, Joey Winker. That was just like such a wash of a trade. That's three bats right there who really haven't had carried any of the weight. Ty France has been good. Everyone else has been good, but those you need a full lineup, especially come October. So they get Shohei, which will fit in any of the 30 major league lineups in baseball. And then on top of that, a top four, three of George Kirby, Louis Castillo, and Shohei Otani is insanity. Oh, that man. is an insane rotation. That goes up, that rivals like the Dodgers when they had shares. That's an unbelievable playoff rotation. On the flip side, the Angels. If they were smart, which historically they might not be, they know that Shohei likely isn't staying there. And capitalizing now is the only option in my eyes. So they get Bryce Miller, who's pitched, I think he's made seven or eight starts already. And he showed that he's the real deal. Like he has shown nothing. He's had one or two bad outings. Outside of that, he showed nothing but potential composure. He's going to be a future one two starter in a big league rotation. You get Cole Young, who's a depth infielder, and off the top of my head, I couldn't name you a single infield prospect, not named Zach Neto, for the Angels. Top 100 guy. And then they get a second top 100 guy, Gabriel Gonzalez. So they're kind of plugging in some holes, and if I'm the Angels, the one thing I'm looking for in return for Shohei is a borderline MLB-ready pitching prospect or a guy who is already in the MLB with five, six years of team control. The team, I don't think, has developed a starting pitcher since Urban Santana, maybe. <laughs> so acquiring a guy who you know is already set up with everything and you just need to let him go, you get that in Bryce Miller. You get 
what could be an everyday infielder and Cole Young. And Gabriel Gonzalez is a younger guy. Who knows? Maybe he slots into a DH role or a corner outfield spot. Granted, I know it's a rental in Shohei, but it is Shohei. So you're essentially acquiring a rental DH and a rental ace. So the price is heavy, but it's Shohei. All right. All right. Sammy, you start. Before we even go over the trade, great job, Pat, by the way. That's a tough one. If the Angels don't trade Otani and he walks, oh, my God. Like, fold the entire franchise. That is so embarrassing. Even more embarrassing than never making the playoffs with Otani and Trout. Anyway, I digress. Pat, I like the trade a lot. I think that's the absolute best case scenario for the Angels. I think if anything, and this is going to sound crazy, it might be an overpay from the Mariners because there's no guarantee Otani comes back. And people will say, how could you say it's an overpay for Otani? Well, if you give up three top 100 prospects for two months of a guy and then he's gone, you overpaid unless you win the World Series, which Seattle has not done. But I think it's a good idea. I think if the Angels are going to trade Otani, they're going to want to have a bidding war going on where they can get this type of haul back for him. I think they'll end up with a little bit less just because of the uncertainty of the contract. But you have to take into account that those um, months of exclusive negotiating that Seattle would have with Otani, that's got to be valuable too. They would have his full attention. Uh, It sounds like he wants to hit the open market. Why wouldn't he? But hey, you never know. So I think that's a great move both sides you, it's never bad if you're getting otani and those three prospects are all great so yeah i like it get it I'll, let me before you guys go let me add this to you it's also a place where you would think that he might have interest in staying you know the west coast and we know that you know that he initially he took his meetings except i think for chicago all his meetings with west coast teams um so it's not like you know he would be like going to Houston, you know. I'm not really. I don't want to live in Houston, or I'm as an example. So I like the I like the landing spot. Go ahead, yeah. Gordo. So first off, Pat, I just want to say I think this is actually the best Otani trade proposal I've seen. Like since we started hearing Look at trade you. proposals Look at like you. a year ago. Look so, at you. Seriously, just like you, you have to think about it, Rob. Based on what you were just saying, like Otani. I think this weekend was talking about how he spent off seasons in Seattle. Like he likes the city. So if you're Seattle, this is an opportunity for you to pounce on a guy and for two and a half months or two months or whenever you get him, show him that this is a good place for you. This is where you want to set up camp for the next decade. We're going to be able to win. You're going to love the city, stuff like that. This is that this is your chance to do what no other team besides the angels would be able to do. And I, I was on Twitter earlier today, and there were some people throwing around some Shohei proposals for the Yankees because of the Buster-only comments. And I, I saw a lot of people saying, yeah, like, I would make these trades, but only if he extended. He's not going to extend. There is no there is no Shohei Otani extension coming before he hits the open market. He would, he would be crazy to two months before his free agency sign an extension. He's going to go into free agency. Sign-in trade? I just don't think it's going to, ha- I just don't think he would pass up the chance to negotiate with all these teams. Like, you're going to leverage the Dodgers, you're going to leverage the Yankees, like the Mets, all of these huge money teams bidding against each other. You have the chance to be the first 600 plus million dollar player in baseball history. And I know Shohei Otani thinks a lot about his legacy, and I know that would be a big deal for him. 
Now, I, I do think it's important, though, because obviously, you know, we talk a lot about the Mariners side and why it makes sense for them. The Angels is, I think, the most interesting part of this because they're scared. Like they, they are. And Ken Rosenthal was talking about it. Like Artie Moreno does not want to be the guy that traded the greatest player to ever play this game. Red Sox fans talk about Mookie Betts and it's however many years later. We talk about Babe Ruth and it's over a hundred years later. All right. So that, that's what this has the potential to be. And for whatever reason, fans talk way more about it if it was a trade versus a free agent departure. So the Angels are going to be scared. And I, I think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot here. Sammy, we were talking about it before in the chat that like, I'm looking at this trade and what do I think? I think both sides should do this. Like this is a trade that both sides should pull the trigger on, but I don't think the angels would do it. I think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. I think they're going to try to keep him. I think they're going to try to resign him. I think they're going to lose him for all their for only a comp pick. I think the only way to pry him from the angels would be to give them something they absolutely couldn't refuse, which would be like a top 10 MLB prospect and more. Like if the Yankees offered Volpe, Dominguez, and more, that might be something they can't refuse. Outside of that, I just think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. I think they're going to take the chance, and I don't think it's going to work. Well, if you're the Angels, it's it's a pretty easy scenario of what you do. You give your absolute best offer, and I know GMs hate doing this, and we've talked about this in the past with a lot of teams, Red Sox and everybody else. But you give, this is what our best offer is going to be. It just is. And are you going to take it or are we in the neighborhood? And if he says no, like, cool, that's fine. We're going to trade you. And and that's that's that. I mean, it's it's you try to project what he would make in the free agent market. You give him that offer and maybe he just doesn't want to stay. That's and I think that there is no time ever that that's uh, that strategy has been more important than what the Angels have to do right here. So yeah, and look at look at what the uh, look what the Nationals did with Soto last Soto, year. Yeah, it was exactly what they did. And look at the haul they got because they were proactive. They did it early. They did it two and a half years early, and they got a franchise altering haul. If the Angels do what you said, Rob, and he doesn't want to stay. You'd be crazy to not boost a farm system that could really use it. Yeah, and and listen, I mean, he might end up. Say they offer him six hundred million, right? And and he turns it down because he's like, maybe he can get better than that. But if if they offered him six hundred million, then and he didn't stay, then you know he probably doesn't want to stay. You know, it's like that's what it comes down to. So that's what I was going to bring up. Do we know that he actually cares about like being the highest paid? athlete in baseball i mean like carlos correa he got his world series early and he decided yeah i, I want to ball out the next time i'm a free agent didn't really work out in his favor but i mean shohei just outright said during the all-star break he was like i want to play for a winner like i don't want to continue to lose i think he could be handed like 700 million dollars by the oakland athletics <laughs> and he would probably be like no i'm good guys I no, but that's that, but that you just put me at the point though is that the teams that are willing to pay that money, they're automatically perceived as winners, whether they, they want already or not. Are. Even before but, him, yeah. Right. I mean, even but, like... But what, what about the Angels, though? I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, the Angels do have him. The Angels are in contention. But are they truly winners just by well, that, that's signing the, him? That's the point. I mean, no. it's there's yeah. going to be there's going to be enough teams that are willing to pay that level of money, and whether that's two, three, four, whatever it is. And th- we know what those teams are. 
and all those teams, even the Mets, the Mets, whatever they are, seven games out right now. They're still if the, they're still perceived as winners next year because they're gonna they're gonna pay enough money to be perceived as winners next year. So yeah, I mean we don't we don't, I I I see all these guys like I want to go to a winner. I want to go to a winner. I want to go to a winner. We and we saw this off season. Well, how's that working out for you in whatever team that you, you know those teams that went to the Padres or um or, or the Mets or whoever. You know, it's not working out great. You, there's no guarantees, but the only guarantee, close to guarantee that you have that a team's going to be a winner is if they are spending money. That's it. So, do you they, think this year, like in whole, has hurt? Even though Otani is playing out of his mind, do you think it has hurt his market value? Just the way that like organizations will be like, well, we just handed out like a buttload of money to all these players in San Diego or in New York, and nothing's coming of it. Like, I think if it's for the for the GMs for how some GMs do business, I think it's given them a, an excuse and an opportunity to not spend that money. But um, but there's always going to be a couple teams there, and it also like this is and you guys know this. I mean, this is we can talk about history, we can talk about Soto, we can talk about Correa, whoever. But Tani's just it's different. a different world. It's a different, and, and it should be by the way, because as we've said before. It's it's the business side of it. Like this is this guy is you take whatever <laughs> is you take however much it, one of the most elite hitters in the game would get. What's that? You take however much one of the most elite pitchers would get. Okay, you take that. And now, okay, let's add. Well, let's take the best business guy in entire baseball and how much he would get. So. All we've never seen anything like this, and we probably won't. So, so once it's a once in a career and a like a once in an ownership lifetime opportunity, <laughs> then he's going to be paid like such. Just yeah, once don't, in a sport. Don't go to the Mets. That would be so lame. That's the most. That's the most uncool team in my. Opinion. No, it's not. Don't don't I'll talk down so, on the Mets. They're so going to the Yankees. Man. They're, would be lame. they're the Yankees' little brother. They spend all the money. They can't win. Nobody. You're likes setting them. up trade deals for the Yankees. You're trying to tout them up. What's up here, Sam? I've been What's interacting. Up? I've been interacting. He's an agent. With fans on Twitter. I, they're they're cool, man. They're the same as us. You got brainworms, dude. <laughs> Come on, no more Mets. Going on. I'm so sick of the Mets. They go, oh my God, Steve Cohen. You can't win. Get out of here, Mets. See ya. <laughs> when uh, was the last time like the like undisputed best player in baseball is a free agent? It was probably A Rod when he went to the Rangers, right? Um well he was still even then he's still behind Bonds. Like he wasn't even the best player in baseball. He was up there, but there was again, there's been nothing like this, not only because he plays two positions, but I just don't think that people like value the business side of it as much as they should. This guy is just a cash register. I mean, that's a terrible example. He's an ATM, not a cash register. I, I don't know how to open a cash register. I, you know how to use an ATM. Yeah, so, you, just, you politely wave the gun and ask the cashier to open what, it up. What is the thing they have the park now that it's like you get uh you put the money in and you get like something like what is Which, that? Whoa, 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 that was a BS thing, by the way. I forgot all about that. Ooh, At the I beginning like of the year, they like said they were making like Fenway paperless. Fenway Bucks. And, yeah. Yeah. Does anyone actually use those? I've never What's seen anyone Fenway use Do they I've have machines around the park? Like that was just never a thing. So how does how do they work? How does that you work? Put, put your uh, card in a machine and it gives you like, 
a slip, I think. And it yeah, it's like when you go on a cruise. Fenway bucks. I don't. What's the point? I would just. I don't <laughs> no, know. What What is the point? It's better for people who carry a lot of cash, I guess. Can but you, like, if you're putting your card into, are you putting cash into the machine, or can you I, do I card as well? It doesn't so make just get a, get a debit card like everyone else these days. Where, where? Speaking of which, speaking of fan experiences, where do we stand on beer sales? Are they still landing at the seventh inning? You guys mingle among the riffraff. Are they? St- what do you mean? Are, are, they, t- are they cutting off beer sales still after the seventh inning? I don't know. I haven't it's called the Matt, Str- Matt, the Matt Strom uh, campaign. I usually um, get my Fenway beers early, so I'm not sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's still the seventh. I'm okay. pretty sure. All right. Okay. I haven't noticed anything different. Okay. Keep tabs on this. So there you go. Um, I'm going to be standing by the beer stands like the next <laughs> like couple games, just like with a pen and paper. <laughs> just get a put a camera there, Coop. Put a camera in. <laughs> no, that's a little creepier. The, what do you, uh, the, the Seattle crickets were a thing. That's, they Seattle were the, crickets. Yeah, they they eat the crickets. You know, Seattle yeah, yeah. eats all the crickets. I'm like, telling yeah. you guys, Seattle hot dog. Nobody talks about the Seattle hot dog. I saw Seattle. that. That was disgusting. Cream it's cheese so on a hot good. dog. Promise, promise. Cream cheese and uh, marinated grilled onions. They're unbelievable. It's so. It sounds disgusting. I tried one. It does unbelievable. It just sounds so like a heartburn. Good. It does sound disgusting. I put it. I put it right behind the Chicago dog. It's in that tier. So, so the Pittsburgh has the hot dog with the Fruit Loops on it. Oh, I had that. That's fire. No, that's Cleveland. Well, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. It's, it's oh, um. Cleveland. Yeah, I had that at the ALS ALDS game against the Yankees last year, where it's macaroni and cheese, pimento cheese, Fruit Loops, and bacon. Amazing. It's probably absolutely amazing. I probably like that for a couple bites. I don't know if I could finish that. Polished it off. Did you see? Uh, did you see our good friend Courtney Finnicum have the margarita popsicle? No. Oh, you didn't see that. I missed yeah. that. Yeah, one of the one of the one of the few uh, good things at Guaranteed Rate Park because we talked about we. I think Coop, you were about last Fourth of July or not? No, last no, 4th, no. But we when talked she about she there. went. She went to no. She went to Texas and had the margarita in the helmet. That's right. And but. She found the uh, pops uh, margarita popsicle, and evidently she says like it, it packs a punch. That's not a bad, it's not a science. Once again, science. Thank that you. Science. Like a, it sounds like a scam to me because you can't freeze alcohol, so they probably put a really small amount in. Well, if it packs a punch, then it's, that's an interesting point. Hmm. I'm suspicious. Was it? Ooh, scandal. I like it. Uh, all, all right, guys. All right, good good work. One second.